Hello and welcome to another episode of Power Drifting, the Rally Game Podcast. This time we take an easy left and an easy right, maybe, as we return to the hallowed gravel and tarmac of the Sega Rally universe. Is Sega Rally 2 a sophomore slump or a comeback of the year? Let's find out. Yes, hello and welcome back to Power Drifting. My name is Tom and I'm joined, as ever, by Mike in the virtual cockpit. Hello, Mike. How are you doing? Hello, Tom. I'm, I'm doing, doing good. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, looking at a sequel to possibly the greatest rally game of all time. Yes, and for those people who didn't catch our very first episode, go back and listen to SS1, Sega Rally. Uh, Mike, first and foremost, did you get my Fallout Boy reference in the intro there? Get your what, sorry? Fallout Boy reference. Sophomore slump, I'll come back of the year. No, I, I mean, I mean, I don't <laughs> like Fallout Boy. Um, this is awkward. This is an aw- this is an awkward moment where we talk about sort of emo emo rock from the the two thousands. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, big big fan, big fan of um, Fallout Boy and their and their Pit Boy um, album. Um, wait, no, that's Fallout. Uh, yeah, not clue, mate. Excellent stuff. Excellent. We're getting off on the right foot here. We're getting off on the right foot. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's get back on track. Uh, Sega Rally 2 then. Um, this game, big hitter, developed originally by Sega AM5 for the Model 3 arcade board and released way back in 1998 and then ported to the beloved Sega Dreamcast in early 1999, released uh, in early 1999 in Japan and then was a launch title for the PAL release. And then um, in November in the United States, of course, there were ports to the PC or Windows in 99 and 2000 in various markets. And uh, some of Sega's most talented and championed developers were involved with the creation of uh, of this game. Uh, The credits uh, read like a veritable who's who of legendary game designers, musicians, composers, producers, whatnot. Uh, So people such as uh, Tetsuya Mizuguchi, Hideki Naganuma, uh, Kenji Ino did some of the sound for the arcade version, uh, and there are some of the more recognisable names amongst those attached to Sega Rally 2's development. So, yeah, we're talking about a game that's got a lot of lot of pedigree in its uh, in its credits, shall we say? It's worth mentioning, though, we're primarily focusing on the Dreamcast version in this episode, which was ported to the Dreamcast by Smilebit, who, as I'm sure you're aware, Mike, and most people listening to this, went on to create the excellent Jet Set Radio. Indeed, yeah. That said, uh, I've played the PC version extensively. I I think you may have done as well, Mike. Is that right? Uh, I think I played the PC version many years ago, but I've been been mostly playing the Dreamcast version. Yeah, yeah. So we are going to focus mainly on the Dreamcast version here, but we will mention the Excellent PC version when it's appropriate, but more on that later. Mm-hmm. Before we continue, Mike, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the massive, the huge Sega Rally lineage. It's a huge list of games, really. And uh, for your listening pleasure, I will now go through the entire list of Sega Rally titles just to give. Uh, well, I don't need to give you, Mike, an idea of the Gargantuan family uh, and has, how it's grown since Sega Rally 2. Um, mm. But uh, for those people who maybe don't know, uh, there are a lot of Sega Rally games in the Sega Rally franchise. And uh, at the time that this game released, there were only two games, <laughs> uh, Sega Rally and Sega Rally 2. Of course, there was a network-enabled version for the Sega Saturn, so that probably mm. makes three games. Yep. 
So, uh, so starting with Sega Rally, uh, that was followed by Sega Rally 2. Then came Sega Rally 2006, which was on the PS2. Uh, then there was Sega Rally, or Sega Rally Revo, I think it was known as mm, in the yeah. United States, which is a brilliant game. I love that. It's one of the yes. best reboots I think I've ever played. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I played it on the 360 and the excellent PSP version as well, which was uh, mm. quite surprising in how good it was, how faithful a recreation of the, uh, the sort of the big console versions. Yeah. And then finally, there was a game called Sega Rally Online Arcade, or sometimes yes. called Sega Rally Three, which is a game I've not actually played. Um, have mm. you played? Have you played it, Mike? I have. Yeah, if I remember right, it's it's quite similar to Sega Rally Revo, um, as in it's it's the same sort of engine, but it's cut down a little bit and mostly for online network playing. Um, yeah. I played it a lot of the time, but it was it's been a while since I played that. I didn't know much about this game, and I, so I looked into it, and it turns out that the Sega Rally 3 or Sega Rally Online Arcade, as it's known, was a, a PlayStation Network or an Xbox Live Arcade-only game. And mm-hmm. the game is now, it's one of those games that's kind of lost to time because it's been delisted yeah. from all online platforms, and it can only really be played in the arcades as Sega Rally 3. But as you say, Mike, quite rightly, it is essentially an arcade and online-enabled version of the Sega Rally reboot that was on the uh, Xbox 360 and PS3. It's probably worth mentioning as well how many uh, consoles and platforms these games have actually graced with their presence. So in no particular order, these are the consoles that have played host to a version of Sega Rally at some point. So we've got the Sega Saturn, the Dreamcast, obviously, the PlayStation 2, the Game Boy Advance, the Nokia N-Gage, the Xbox 360, the PlayStation 3, the PlayStation Portable, and of course, Windows and the arcades. So uh, quite a lot of Sega Rally then, if, uh, if it's your bag. There's a lot of choice there. Yeah. The only I think the only one I've not played is the N-Gage version. Have you played that? Yeah, I've played the N-Gage version, yeah. I played the N-Gage. Is, um, I think I picked up 50 pence in, the, in a clearance sale once. Um, not very good. Mm. Uh, it's not a good game at all. But that's, I think, unfortunately, that's, that's sort of the N-Gage, isn't it, really? It's nothing on there was pretty brilliant. But um, interesting as well, for, for real Sega diehards, there is sort of a, a precursor to Sega Rally, sort of, if you want to be really deep into Sega lore, um, which is on the, uh, the SG-1000, the um, Safari Race, which is a very similar sort of concept. It's sort of an inter-screen racer. Um, with a, I think a, a Lancia Delta, isn't it, as the, the main um, or Stratus possibly as the main it car. It rings a bell. Yeah, it's it's sort of it's sort of it's it's not a rally game, obviously, but it's it's if you really want to go deep into Sega lore, it has the same sort of uh, dusty roads and off road racing that Sega Rally would become. So I always like to think of it as some kind of precursor. Wasn't there a wrestler called Dusty Roads? Uh, possibly. <laughs> I thought I just popped into my head when you said Dusty Roads. I don't know. <laughs> yes, there was actually. Of course, there was. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, the Dreamcast version of Sega Rally 2 uses the Windows CE functionality, meaning it isn't exactly the arcade perfect port that many people were hoping for or expected. Again, we'll speak about that in a little while. Yeah. Um, but that's that's actually one of the reasons that is levelled at the Sega Rally 2 game that came to the Dreamcast as to why it's not uh, as good as it maybe should have been. I think I'm getting ahead of myself here, so I'll, I'll stop stop there. But before we sort of dive into the game proper, Mike, yeah. your earliest memories of Sega Rally 2, what, your, what were your first impressions of it when you first saw it, and, and when was that? Mm, I think, uh, well, the first time I saw Sega Rally 2 would have been on Dreamcast uh, when it first launched. Um, it was one of the games which was interesting to me. I was At the time, I was probably playing, I'm trying to think what, what kind of year it was now, so it was I would have probably been playing International Rally Championship on mm. PC. Um, maybe even Rally Championship, which obviously we spoke about a few weeks ago, and yeah. uh, it was a fantastic game. So I was already into Rally games, and I, I think um, Serie 2 definitely 
it was obvious. It was one of the games which really, in the UK especially, it seemed to be a game which was quite heavily promoted for a very short time and then sort of dropped off. I never had it for the Dreamcast back in the day. Um, for whatever reason, it just wasn't a game I picked up. Uh, I didn't pick up until I bought my Dreamcast back again in 2006, 2007 time. Mm. And one of the first games I played was Sega Valley 2. Um, and I played it uh, pretty much solidly for a couple of weeks because it was at the time was a sort of a, a console renaissance for me for the Dreamcast and it, yeah. was, it was a fun game to play but yeah I don't remember much about the PC version I don't remember much about I don't really much don't remember much about the game being spoken about other than just the fact that a lot of the pre-release Dreamcast stuff in the UK had a lot of Sega Valley 2 stuff with it um, which I suppose is obvious because Sega Valley 1 obviously was the biggest title for for the Saturn. Yeah. Um, I think most people, even now, would say the Sega Valley is the best game on the Saturn. Um, so I think uh, it's it's unsurprising that it was it was quite heavily promoted in the UK. It did have a massive presence around the Dreamcast launch. I, I distinctly remember that Sega Valley Two was you know as you say quite heavily promoted as a mm. you know this marquee title for the Dreamcast. And uh, my initial when I first came into contact with this game was um, I think I might have mentioned this on on the other podcast that we do. For those people who don't know, we do a podcast. About the Dreamcast, called the Dreamcast Junkyard Dream Pod, and I've mentioned my history with the Dreamcast many times on that. So apologies if I'm boring you, but um, my first uh, contact with the Dreamcast was a friend of mine actually got one in kind of late '99, sorry, late '98, and um, or early '99. I can't remember exactly the time now, but it was a Japanese one. And when he bought it, he actually got Sega Rally Two with it, and it was the only game that he got that wasn't just like um, completely covered in Japanese text. You could actually tell what it was just from looking at the front cover of the, you know the game. Yeah. So obviously I was quite excited to play it, and um, yeah, that's pretty much the game we played almost exclusively, really, because the, the rest of them were kind of like weird, like dating games and stuff, and we didn't really know what they were. <laughs> so yeah, that was my first real contact with the game, and then naturally, as as the uh, UK launch came around, the first game I actually got was Speed Devils, but then. After playing that to death, I moved on to things like Sonic Adventure, and then I think the third game I owned was was Sega Rally Two. And uh, like you, Mike, when I when I had it, I, I played it, you know, for, for weeks, sort of nonstop, because I, I just loved it. It was great. And um, I think back then, you know, because it was a new game and it was the new thing to have, and the Dreamcast was brand new out of the box and all that kind of thing, you kind of overlooked the um, what do we call them? Sort of the down the downsides to the game. Yeah. Negatives, yeah. Yeah, so you, you kind of just, it just looked, I remember it just looking absolutely amazing. It was, you know, literally like having an arcade machine in your house and uh, it just blew everything else away that, you know, visually that you could get on the consoles at the time. Obviously, looking back with hindsight, it's probably not as good as we remember it, but we'll come on to that shortly. First of all, though, Mike, uh, let's talk about the game itself. Let's talk about the vehicle. Let's talk about the, uh, the environments that you can find yourself racing in. Um, as we are want to do on this podcast. Uh, the game features quite a few vehicles, actually, uh, which is nice because the first game in the series only had three vehicles. Mm. You had the Toyota, Celica, and the Lancia Delta, and you had the uh, Lancia Stratos. And um, it seems like they went back to the drawing board with Sega Rally 2 and just went, no, put as many things in it as you can, get as many iconic yeah. rally games, rally cars as you can, chuck them in, and, uh, and we're good to go. So, upon starting the game, these are your vehicles that are available to you. So, you've got the Peugeot 206 WRC, the Peugeot 306 Maxi, Toyota Corolla WRC, Toyota Celica GT4, the Subaru Impreza WRC, Mitsubishi Lancia Evolution, Lancia Stratos, and the Lancia Delta Integrale. You can unlock further cars by playing the different modes, which we'll come on to in a second. Uh, but they are the Fiat Seicento Sport, the uh, Fiat 131 Abarth. The Lancia Zero 37 Rally, Mitsubishi Lancia Evo 3 and 4, Peugeot 106 Maxi, 
Peugeot 305 Turbo, Renault Alpine A110 or A110, Subaru Impreza 555, and then another Celica GT4. So quite a nice uh, selection there. Yeah. It's nice to see all the, the main cars in, included. I would usually, in a value game, steer towards things that I'm quite familiar with, like the Lancer Evolutions and the um, Imprezas of the world. But for yeah. some reason, because of my history with Sega Rally and just how much I loved using the Toyota Celica GT4, that's still my go-to car in this game. What about yourself, Mike? Yeah, I think um, I'm going to be unsurprising to anyone who's listened to this podcast before. Um, I will go for the Impreza most of the time. Um, it just, to me, feels like a, a rally game with an Impreza. If it's not got an Impreza in it, it's not a rally game for me. <laughs> uh, and also the um, the 306 yeah. as well. I've, I've, I was playing it this week, and I've, I played it a lot with the 306. So I didn't, with the BRC version, I didn't... I didn't um, for some reason, in my mind, the, the car wasn't a good car to drive in the game. I don't know why I had that impression for. I think I must have had some uh, some bad experiences many years ago. But uh, for some reason, I thought that was a bad car to choose. And so I always chose the Impreza. But this week, I actually started using the 306 WRC. And I actually ended up being a lot better than I thought I was. So um, it's, it, I think it's just the fact it's a very diverse range of cars. Or diverse within the, the confines of, of WRC or Valley games. But... It's just, it's just got. There isn't any major rally car missing apart from the mini, I suppose. I was just about to say that if the mini had been included, that would have been uh, been cool. I also want to mention the fact that all of the cars that you get at the start of this game are every bit as good or bad uh, as each other. And other than the visual differences, I don't really think that there's any benefit to having the um, unlockable vehicles. No. Um, if anything, I was playing it the other day. I, I completed the um, the main arcade mode and I unlocked the Fiat C Cento as a sort of a bonus car. And I played it and it was actually worse than any of the starting cars. So I was like, yeah. what was the point? <laughs> well, I think it's because all the starter cars are all four-wheel drive. They're all, um, they're all pretty much handled pretty much exactly the same. Yeah, there's yeah. one... There's one mid uh, mid drive. What I can't remember. There's one car which is not f- uh, four wheel, but um, well, they're all four wheels. Obviously, otherwise it'd be a very short rally game. But, <laughs> um, it's yeah. There's, there's, it's there isn't there isn't a huge amount of difference in handling. I think it is all down to your own personal. I always find. I don't know about you, Tom. But I always find when I'm in a rally game, if I'm used to the car in other games, even though the, the handling is completely different, if I'm used to driving an Impreza, for instance, in another rally game, I will think I'm better using the Impreza in Sega Rally 2. Mm. And there's actually no reason for that. It's just, I think it's a lot of perception, which is... Um, yeah, it's psychological, isn't it? Psychological. It is, yeah. It's very psychological. Okay, so that's the vehicles that you have at your disposal. Uh, let's move on to the courses. Uh, all the courses in this game are fictional, and they're all lap-based, so there's no point-to-point rallying. Um, this is very much an arcade game. It's not a simulation in any or by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and all of the environments have three special stages in them, uh, except for one which has one, weirdly, what I'm talking about. I'll I'll explain myself uh, a little better. So uh, the environments you have are desert, uh, muddy, (laughs) which is more like a tropical sort of jungle environment, Um, snowy, which, um, again, as the name suggests, is snowy, isle, which is almost like a sort of a mix between urban and mountainous areas. Yeah, so Corsica Rally, isn't it, sort of stage? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. I was, like, I was thinking, what is this trying to emulate? Is it meant to be like the Isle of Man? Is it meant to be Gibraltar? Is it? I think you put it perfectly there, like sort of almost like a, an analogue of Corsica. Um, incidentally, it's also my least favourite area in the in the entire game. Interesting. I just I just don't like it. I just don't like the, the way the cars handle on the tarmac. Yeah, uh, there's also a mountain, and then there's Riviera, which is... Is it meant to be like 
well, the name suggests it's meant to be like the French Riviera or Monaco or something. It's the, yeah, the nighttime course with the nice lighting effects. Yeah. Yeah, and there's only one track in the Riviera, which is just that end of end of arcade showpiece. Uh, there's also a secret track. Well, there are two secret tracks, in fact, one of which isn't its own track. Uh, am I making sense? Um, yes. <laughs> so within, within the Riviera track, there's a secret section that you can access by hitting some cones and then driving through a little section that opens up and then there's like a sort of cone a cone knocking over mini game and if you also complete the uh, the main championship mode which we'll talk about in a minute um you also open up a uh, super secret or a secret super special stage which is one of those courses where you have the two tracks you know run sort of next to each other and then cross over it's not great to be honest it's just like a very muddy kind of super special stage uh, but it's nice to have the uh, the added unlockable you know, as a as a, a bonus for going get out know, battling through the uh, the championship mode. Yeah. Three, two, one, go! Speaking of which, gameplay modes. Okay, so there are three main gameplay modes here in Sega Rally 2. You've got your arcade mode, and as you would no doubt imagine, what this does is it pits you against the AI vehicles and the clock over four courses, and you get one course from each of the uh, sort of default, if you want to call them that, location. So you start off on desert, you head then to uh, the mountain course, then you go to the snowy course, I believe, and then it's Riviera as the final course. So there's four courses in tra- in total, and you basically it's just like what you did in the first game. You fight against the AI, you battle against the clock, and you just basically have to work your way up up the standings. Really, the main mode, the main the main meat of this game is the ten year championship, and uh, as the name suggests, it's kind of it's quite similar to the arcade mode, but it basically gives you ten years, and each year is basically like its own self contained arcade mode and that's it really you just need to get to the end of the final course to uh, move on to the next championship and it's easier said than done because the time limits are quite tight and uh, it can be quite annoying if you get <laughs> knocked out in the yeah. final lap or something of the final course it's like I've got to do it all again now yeah. so there's no actual like championship with like getting points or doing different stages and amassing points in a sort of ladder there's none of that it's just basically doing the arcade mode over and over again. Um, any thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, I think it's, it's the arcade mode is, is, is pretty much Sega Rally, isn't it? I mean, that's exactly mm-hmm. what the game is. It's, it's what the game's founded on. Tenny Championship mode is interesting. I think it's it tries to give some, some depth to the game, and it does it in a really sort of... It doesn't really understand it. I think it's just a problem Sega had, I suppose. They didn't really understand the, the change between arcade and non-arcade. And I think there was a little bit of... It's, there's not much to it. It's, it's very simple. It's very basic. There is there is course information before each track, so you do get an information in terms of what the track looks like. But the the tyres default to what the, the correct tyres. I think I changed one tyre in the entire time I played through mm. the championship mode. Um, it's all very simple. It's it's not particularly exciting, as it were, as an actual mode. But it does, I suppose, uh, to an extent. There's 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 part of me which says if this has been in the Saturn version, so if the Saturn version had this kind of mode in it, that would have been quite a big deal because it would have made it would have changed the face of rallying games to an extent at the time. With Sega i two, I think we'd already had. Again, I'm not sure about the years and stuff, but I'm, I'm pretty sure V Rally came out a year before this. Ninety seven, won it V Rally ninety seven. So yeah, so it would be a year before. Obviously, the PC games already out there as well. So there was there was more depth than this, and I just think it's it feels a little bit like a tacked on mode of ten championship. It's fun for what it is, but it's not exactly the 
uh, bells and whistles that experience that maybe you'd, you'd expect. I think as well, it's, it's kind of hindered by the actual style of the game. It's an arcade game at the end of the day, yeah. and so yeah. there is no damage. You know what I mean? And having having sort of service areas in between rallies where you can like do repairs to your car would have been a bit kind of almost a bit odd because the vehicles don't sustain any damage whatsoever and then having to like repair the cars and having to change tyres and stuff it would have been like eh what no I agree yeah it's, I, I completely agree I think it's, the, the problem is is again it's an arcade game masquerading as a home game isn't it because it's look at the environments the environments muddy the aisle the, the <laughs> snowy uh, the, the Sega Rally Revo did this as well, didn't it? It was the same sort of thing. It didn't yeah. really have countries, and it had just sort of like the, the track types. Um, and it's it just sometimes it, I understand what it's, what it's doing. I understand what it's doing for, and it's it's especially with, with Revo, it's a bit more of a nostalgic sort of kickback to arcade gaming. But with Sega Rally, I understand why it, it wasn't sort of in depth, and it wasn't you know we don't want service areas that wasn't necessary for an arcade game. But to have all these sort of it didn't ever feel like a home game to me. It felt like a game which was an arcade game and they wanted to put it to the new Sega machine, which is absolutely fine, but it just didn't feel like it, it necessarily fit into into the uh, into the home game market for me. I, I'm imagining if they had actually tried to work in some kind of like service area mode or something like that where, you know, like in Daytona or in Virtual Racing where you kind of drive into a pit and then there's like these poly- polygonal uh, pit crew just kind of start doing your wheels and stuff, even though that's yeah. exactly the opposite of what happens in Rally. Um, <laughs> the Sega yeah. of then would have included it just to like have something in there that is you yeah. know, the equivalent of a pit stop, for example, which would have been yeah. odd. I think... I think the thing is, is that if you're looking at Sega Rally 2 as being a game like V Rally, you're looking at the wrong part of racing. This is this is outrun. This is outrun, the, the sort of outrun style arcade game, and not yeah. a V Rally kind of game. And I think if you go into it, if you're going to expecting an arcade experience like that, the game is absolutely fine. But if you go into it expecting a V Rally or Colin McRae long championship submersion mode, then you are going to be severely disappointed, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you've got the arcade mode, you've got the 10-year championship, and then the other two modes you've got are Time Attack, which allows you to race uh, any course, uh, either in three-lap or free-run mode, which is quite cool because it just lets you see everything. Um, yeah. One thing I did notice is that when you play in Time Attack mode, it, it, it actually removes all of the like the crowds and all of the, sort of the, the bombastic uh, atmosphere of the arcade mode, which is... It's interesting that they did that. Rather than keep everything in there, all the crowds and all that kind of stuff, it's like almost weirdly kind of sterile. And then uh, you've also got your two-player mode, which is very basic. Two players. There's no AI vehicles. It's just you versus a versus a friend, really. Um, I remember reading in a magazine review at the time that they were disappointed that it wasn't a four-player mode. And okay, I I just I, I struggle to see how well that would have held up, considering how many technical issues there are with the sort of standard single player, especially on the Dreamcast and um, in the two-player mode, you know, it would have been interesting to see if they if they could have done that. Um, I know V-Rally 2 on the Dreamcast has a four-player mode, which is actually quite good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, four-player four player mode on the uh, on the Dreamcast in Sega Rally 2 would have been interesting, I think. Yeah, I think I think there would have been some problems maybe with the technical side of things, but let's uh, let's leave that for, uh, for a few minutes. That, well, that actually brings us on nicely to the next section. Um, usually what we do on this podcast is we talk about individual aesthetic elements of a game or the gameplay, the handling, that kind of thing. But what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to mix it up a little bit and just talk about the negatives and the positives from a personal point of view. I'll go first, Mike, and I'll talk about some of the negatives that affected my appreciation for this game. And the first one, and the biggest one for me, is uh, something we alluded to earlier on, which is the, the vehicle handling. The vehicle handling is the main issue for me in this game. It just 
doesn't feel as satisfying or as precise as what came before it in the Saturn game. All the vehicles, they are quite slidey and they do like to go around corners sideways, but it is hard not to keep hitting the barriers. And it just, the, the, the vehicles in the first game, they had this kind of weird squashy centrifugal kind of suspension. And it was just really well done. Here, the cars just feel like they're on like bricks. There's no, there's no sway in the, um, in the way that they kind of move on their own suspension springs. Yeah. Even if you change the suspension in the settings, it doesn't have any sort of real visual effect. So yeah, it's just very imprecise, very kind of, what's the word, like muddy? I don't know if that's the best way of describing it, but it's just... Wooden. Yes, wooden. That's that's kind of what I was looking at. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, the, You can adjust the steering model to be more drift-heavy or more nimble, uh, allowing for like sharper turns into corners, but neither feels especially good. I mean, it's just imprecise is the best way I can describe it. Elsewhere, the, the frame rate is also an issue. Um, the Dreamcast version is is essentially locked to 30 frames per second. However, it is quite erratic, so it feels like it's speeding up and slowing down almost at random sometimes. And there is a 60 frames per second cheat that removes like a lot of the background details, like crowds and trees and whatnot. But even with that option like activated, it's a cheat mode that you're putting on the start screen. It just feels, it just feels off. It doesn't feel right. It feels like the whole game feels like the entire game is moving, or should be moving at 60 frames per second, and the cars do actually feel like they turn at 60 frames per second, but the rest of the environment is trying to catch up with it. It's just a, it's a, it's a really odd thing to experience and to actually try to explain to somebody. I think at the time the game came out, people were more interested in the fact that it was a new Sega Rally game and it was a new console and didn't really sort of moan about that factor. Yeah. But with with a modern head on, and you kind of look at it now, you can, it does it just feels a bit weird. Like there's two different frame rates going on at the same time. You know, I'm not digital foundry, so like, I'm not the best person at explaining this. But that's just how it feels to me. So yeah, I mean, there was criticism at the time that you know that it may have been a, a bit of rushed, a bit of a rushed port, and I think that's obvious now. In you know, in, in with modern eyes looking back. In fact, there's a great video on YouTube from a channel called Entertainment Extended which has like a side-by-side -side comparison of like the arcade, the Windows and the Dreamcast versions all running. And the Dreamcast version looks like by far the most like sluggish and just visually impressive. Yeah, I'll come on to my positives in a sec, Mike, but um, mm. what what are some of the negatives for you? I think we, we start negative and then finish on the positives. That's a sure. good way to... Uh, yeah, I, I think handling's a real issue. I think handling is, as you said, it does feel like you're, you're turning far quicker into corners. Um, and to me, there's a... There's a it felt like a bit of drift. It felt like as I was coming out of corners, or sort of going to say, it was just drifting towards one side. That could have just been me uh, playing it recently compared to other rally games, I suppose. Um, but for me, I think really it's just the fact that it's it's quite a quite a bland game in some areas. I think it's it's not particularly exciting to look at. The visuals are perfectly okay, but there's a, there's quite a lot of drawing. There's it's quite a foggy kind of game, and I just don't think it has. I think it's very difficult to be a sequel to a game which even today is regarded as one of the greatest handling games ever. Uh, not realistic in, in the slightest, but it's incredibly well designed and, and playable. Serai 2 to me just doesn't seem to do that. It has a real issue with it's it's not... It's got a very big forebearer to try and match, and I think it struggles with that a little bit. But that brings it back around to my uh, thing about, you know, in the intro about Sophomore Slump, you know, def difficult, yeah. sec difficult second album kind of thing. So. <laughs> Exactly, yeah, it definitely is second, it's second album syndrome. It's it's definitely something which is, whatever it would have done, it would have been difficult to match yeah, its predecessor. Yeah. Um, and I think that the gaming had, you know, this is the mid, this is the late 1990s. The, the gaming, I mean, I mean, you look nowadays, we, we play games from, I mean, I've played Skyrim, which came out in, what, 2010, 2011. 
I've played every year for the last 11 years and it still looks to me pretty good. To keep buying a new version every year. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. I've got about seven versions now. Um, but it's, it, you look at, you go back to 1990s and a game which came out in 1995 looked archaic by 1997, 1998. Uh, it was such a fast moving time for games that really Sega Rally 2 just feels like it's in a, it's, it doesn't feel like a Dreamcast game to me. It doesn't feel like a modern, whatever generation Dreamcast was. I should know that off the top of my head, but I don't. Um, it doesn't feel like that kind of game to me. It just feels like it's an archaic game. It, it's trying to do something which uh, its predecessor did and doesn't do it particularly well. I think one in uh, via the, the Microsoft uh, Windows CE, which I know is, is talked about a lot within Dreamcast fans, but it's it's um, there hasn't really been many good games that run on, on that uh, system. Uh, Virtual Fighter 3 TV, another game that was launched on Dreamcast, which was um, similarly affected quite badly by being like this. I just think it's it's just, it's technically not particularly impressive. It's got a lot of issues in terms of it doesn't know what it wants to be. It tries to be a home game and then doesn't really manage to do it. And it's got a, a very, very large chip on its shoulder, which is the fact that its, it's uh, predecessor was so incredibly good. Well, that's... Uh... Quite a lot there. I think we've covered quite a lot there. But what I'm going to do now, Mike, is I'm going to actually switch, switch this round because I'm going to talk about the positives from yeah. my point of view, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to rebut your claims because um, <laughs> otherwise I, I do think it has a, a certain visual charm. I like the way I like the way it looks. I think it looked way better than anything on the other consoles at the time of release. Obviously, being on the Dreamcast, it was better looking than pretty much anything else that you could get on like the PlayStation or the um, Nintendo 64. I like the big, brightly coloured cars and the sort of semi-detailed environments um, and just that there was more to do than in the first game. I have to give it props for that. There's like there's a lot of variety in the courses. Obviously, there's more courses, there's more cars, there's more modes. There's just more of everything. So I think that's a big plus. Um, I also really like the, the music and the sound. The sound uh, was done in part in this game by Hideki Naganuma, obviously, who's more famously known for Jet Set Radio. But yep. uh, I think that the, the music, which is a kind of weird mashup of like jazz and rock, <laughs> sounds really odd when you say it out loud but it's just very Sega very Dreamcast you know over the time and also just the um, audio prompts like the button press noises and the, the way that the menus kind of sort of make this sort of bling when you um, when you press an option it's just very Dreamcast it's just fantastic it has its own identity you know, when it comes to the sound <laughs> drivers give the arcade easy right easy left pace notes and that's something that is brought over from from Sega Rally and I think it's a nice option that you can have either a, a male or a female co-driver which is nice I don't yep. think I've seen that before this game I'm not sure if any other game did that prior to this but it's a nice little option that's hidden there in the uh, in the audio menu I feel like I have to mention the, the the PC version here as well I know we've spoken a little bit about the negative sides of the Dreamcast frame rate the PC version runs at solid 60 frames a second and it just feels like a completely different game. It's just so much easier to control. It doesn't feel like the world is trying to get away from you as you turn into a corner. Do you know, it's not trying to like race ahead and then slow down and race ahead again. So yeah, if you if you can get the PC version, it's on myabandonware.com. You can get a Windows 10 version, and it's just brilliant with the uh, the, the sort of HD and um, widescreen mods and everything that's been done to it. It's just fantastic. A couple of other things I want to mention, Mike, which aren't really to do with the game itself. Well, they are, but not if you know what I mean. Is the is the actual 
the packaging and the presentation, uh, especially specifically the Japanese version uh, for the Dreamcast, the manual is flipping brilliant. It's got so much like detail and like loads of like tips on how to corner. It's got full pitch, full color pictures of the all the different vehicles in the game. I mean, the Japanese uh, manuals were also were always a masterclass in how to do manuals for the Dreamcast. Yeah, uh, and this is just um, this is just brilliant. I mean, when you compare it to the um, to the PAL version, which is just black and white, minimal effort, you know. <laughs> Obviously, they have yeah. to put all the different languages in, but it's just a different level of class, really. The um, the Japanese manual. I've got it here in my hand now. I'm just flicking through it, and also the the um, the game disc itself. You've got this kind of like it's almost like an ordnance survey map of a um, of a rally course, and you've got nice little nods to the Dreamcast. So you've got like points of interest. So you've got Modem Camp, uh, AM12 Camp, uh, VMS Camp. <laughs> uh, GD camp, like these little kind of um, points of interest. There's a museum, a store, DC camp, and I, mean, I just think that's a really nice touch. You know that they even went to the, to the effort of doing that. Yeah. Because you wouldn't really ever look at the disc, would you? Just pull it out of the box and put it in the gate in the console. Never look at it, really. No. Do you? no and weirdly enough, as well, there's actually there's two versions in, in power versions: so the pink disc and the silver disc. Mm. Um, and I don't really know why. I've never really found out what the reason is. It's the exact same disc, as far as I can tell. The same press numbers, I think, as well on them. But some are pink, some are grey. One thing I will say is that the American version actually doesn't have that. The American version has a a more simple CD design. Um, I know that because the only disc I could get actually working out the, out the ones I've got is the American version. So funny, you know. So it's just got the car uh, on the front, which is a little bit, a little bit less interesting to be honest with you. But yeah, the, I love the Japanese and PAL design. It's really, 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 really well done. I love maps, so I mean, it's going yes. to be something I'm going to like anyway. But um, <laughs> yeah, the packaging is really, really good. I think weirdly though is that they don't really, apart from the American, look at the American spine at the current time. All the other versions don't really make much deal about the game being Sega Rally 2. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's very small print on the top. It is, if you look at the, the cover of the game, um, it's Sega Rally 2 is in a very small font at the top of each yeah. case. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the game doesn't really make much of a deal on the cover that it's Sega Rally 2. You would think a game which has a noticeable especially in Japan, where Sega Rally was, was a big game in Japan. I'm not quite sure why they didn't make it bigger. But, yeah, so it's a minor point, I suppose. It's an interesting point of looking at packaging. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also like the actual the actual artwork, because it looks like a hand-painted, like a painted, doesn't it? Hand-painted um, car. Yeah, the Stratos, yeah, it looks amazing. Yeah, I love that. Really, really good uh, design. Any other positives you want to bring up before we move on? Yeah, there are lots of positives. I think the game has some... It's, the game's still a Sega game. It's still a Sega arcade game. Very, very few companies have ever done say uh, arcade racing as good as Sega, so it's still got those positives on there. Um, there are still some, some you know, the cars are really cool. I love the way the cars look in the game, the car detail. I, I complained about the environments, and I will stick to that, and that is the hill I will die on. But um, although it'd be a very foggy hill in the distance, but um, the, the, <laughs> the, the cars themselves are brilliant. I mean, the, the backfiring and the sort of the lighting up of the back of the cars, and it just looks really, really cool. Um, but for me, still, it's it's got that Sega charm to it, as you said, which is nearly enough for me. It, yeah, it's, it's a Sega game. Sega, it's a Sega racing game. I think anyone who's played Sega racing games know that that is actually usually just about enough. 50, Oh, 
Okay then, enough from us though. Let's uh, let's see what the professionals had to say about Sega Rally. Uh, I've got two reviews here from the time. The first one is from Total Control Magazine, which is a very short-lived magazine, uh, multi-format, that had a surprising amount of Dreamcast content in it for the very short amount of time that it existed. Uh, so Total Control issue 5 from March 1999. This is an import review of the Japanese version. And this is what they say. Sega Rally 2 is a cult game that will be lapped up by the fans. Like Virtual Fighter 3 TB, it's not quite arcade perfect, but the new additions more than counter that. But even though this is a fantastic racing game, PlayStation owners can still boast that their console retains the number one title of the genre. Sega Rally 2 never looked like challenging the detail and depth of Gran Turismo, and it's no surprise that it falls a fair way short. Still, it's certainly a must-buy for owners of the new console, and they awarded it 90%. I don't know why they're comparing a rally game to, to Gran Turismo. I know Gran Turismo's got rally sections in it, mm. but that's just a bit odd to me uh, to compare it to Gran Turismo because that's definitely not what it's going for. Um, okay, another review here is the uh, official Dreamcast magazine. This was uh, the UK issue zero, which was like a special edition uh, released in September 1999 for the, uh, for the launch window of the Dreamcast. And this is what they said. Sega Rally 2 is undeniably technically superb and a worthy launch title for Dreamcast. It looks great. It goes like the proverbial excrement off a shovel. The track design pushes you to the very limits of both driving and swearing, and it's extremely addictive. For relentless arcade action, it's the slickest, fastest rally game there is. So check it out, you funk soul brother. And they gave it 8 out of 10. I'm not sure what the funk soul brother <laughs> reference is for at the end there, but that's what it says. <laughs> So yeah, 8 out of 10 from Official Dreamcast Magazine in the UK and also 90% from Total Control. So pretty uh, pretty high scores there from pretty much all of yeah. the reviews at the time, if, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, so it's time for us to give our own verdicts, Mike. Mm. As always, I'm going to let you go first. So please give me your verdict and then a score out of 10, please. Yeah, so I, I feel a little bit nasty doing this, to honestly, but um, <laughs> I, I think the game doesn't play as well now as it should. And I think I'm going to place it on how it plays now. Um, I think the game is is quite archaic looking. And so for that reason, I'm going to give it a six. Okay, six out of ten then. Okay, um, for me, uh, I think it's uh, I think it's still a, a very good arcade rally title in its own right. Uh, however, it doesn't live up to the standard, I don't think, set by Sega Rally, simply because the handling model and the vehicle physics, uh, they're just too far removed from the first game. But... You know, even with that said, it's it's still a fun, brash, colourful, and enjoyable game in short bursts. But it just it doesn't have the same magic as the first. Even with the more vehicles, the more courses, and the sort of lengthy career mode, if you want to call it that. I mean, I can overlook the performance shortcomings, as it doesn't really hamper my enjoyment. It's still one of the games that I will go to and fire up the Dreamcast to have a quick blast on every now and then. So for that reason, I'm going to give it a, a seven out of ten. So a seven and a six, slightly lower than the, uh, the magazines at the time. Uh, that's probably just with uh, our uh, more modern gamer heads on looking back, I suppose. Sure. I think uh, I think it's still a, an excellent title to pick up and play it on your Dreamcast or your PC, or if you've got an arcade and board. Cheap. And, and cheap. cheap as well, of course. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, well, that just about wraps it up then, I think, Mike. Um, don't really know what else there is to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> If you've got a Dreamcast or a PC, get a bit of Sega Rally 2 uh, and enjoy it. <laughs> But uh, as ever, uh, it's been a pleasure. Mike, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Tom. Pleasure as always. Yeah, for those people listening, uh, you can find all of our episodes uh, on iTunes and on Anchor and by going to powerdriftingpodcast.com and you can also find us on Twitter at 
Powerdrifting Pod. Uh, give us a follow, give us a comment, give us a like. You can also find all our episodes on YouTube. Just search Powerdrifting Podcast and you'll find us. And um, yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll do it for us, I think. Um, yeah. See you on the next one. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye.